and welcome into the podcast. My name is Andrew, joined by Quinn here. We are so excited to get to the show today. So excited to talk to you about your home bar. It's going to be a wonderful treat today. We're going to go through everything you need to know about how to make a home bar, how to keep a home bar. Um, Quinn, I don't think we're going to talk about how to how to actually make a home bar. Yeah, yeah, that's that was what I was going to say. We're not we're not going to. We're not going to make a home bar tonight, um, but if you can find one, I have an antique one that I took from a family member. Uh, that would be cool. Um, but otherwise, this is going to be a great show today. Quinn, we're going to start off with what we are drinking um, in our respective homes today. Well, today I'm going to be drinking a Magner's Irish Cider uh, pear flavor. Let's open it up and give it a taste. not bad it's a little bit on the drier side definitely tastes like pear um i'll let you know what i think of it as i drink a little bit more and i am drinking not your mom's iced tea it's rummaged through the closet uh, or the pantry and uh found this so we'll open this up with my makeshift bottle opener that obviously doesn't work as well as i'd like it to because that's always how this happens. There we go. Pop off. Into the garbage. Now, what do you think of the uh, Not Your Father's and Not Your Mother's brand? I love the root beer, but it's always too much spice. You know what I mean? Like, you can taste the mixing in it, and I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, so I can only have, like, one. Uh, I haven't had this one before, but I can only have, like, one root beer. And the, the Mountain Dew type one was eh. Too, so I wasn't a huge fan. I so. really liked that one. The Not Your Father's Orange Soda is, I think, the best one. Really, I have not had that. I'm not, I'm not a. I, is it? It's like a kind of crush orange soda kind of thing. Yeah, it tastes like crush. Interesting. I'm definitely gonna have to try that. Well, let me take a sip of this one. See what I think. See what I think. Okay, that's not. That is not that bad, actually. This is a little bit older, so it could be a little bit expired. Um, however, it's got a different... I think I would mix this with actual iced tea. I think that's what I would do. Okay, so it's a like an additive to an iced tea to make it really good. I, I, I just don't love the flavor as much as I, I, I want to. So I, if you're just have, trying to have a relaxing day and you bought a case of this... I think, you know, sitting by the pool, this would be really good with the entire bottle and like maybe like a third for portion size, a third of what you have in regular iced tea, just pour it in there and get a good mix over ice. Just sip it by the pool. That'd be a good, I think that'd be a good drink. It's got just like an undertone, um, a beery undertone to it that you taste at the end, which I'm not a huge fan of. Um, that like almost clinical alcohol taste that sometimes yeah. the, uh, like pre-made mixed drinks will get. Yeah. Yeah. Like almost the feeling of drinking gut rot. Yeah. Like you can tell that it's, that it's boozy and there's alcohol in it. It was mixed in and, and it, it probably was made at a place that may, that does have some beer stuff there and they didn't know how to pull away from that enough. And you, it comes through a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's not bad. I don't know that I would have more than one with just a bottle, but I definitely in definitely it's definitely okay. 
It's definitely okay. I've had your Magner's Pear Cider before, and I'm a big fan of that one. Big fan. As I'm drinking it more, I take back what I said about it being on the drier side. I think it's kind of firmly in the middle between sweet and dry. I yeah. do really like how delicate the flavor is. Um, I, this is a pretty good summer afternoon. Sit outside on, I think it's 98 degrees here today. Oh, yeah. yeah let's gross. sit out on my balcony and drink this and, you know, happily die of the heat. <laughs> <laughs> the humidity is the problem. I can do, I can do, I could do 98. I wouldn't be happy. But if it wasn't humid, if I'd be fine. But it, right, humidity, yeah, if you, if you, if you, you don't have to tired. swim to your car. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which, oh, com- complaining about that where we are in the northern United States. I mean, I've been down to Missouri where it is it literally feels like you have just stepped into a pool when you get out of the car um, some days in the summer. I was in, yeah, that that's, that's just wrong. It, it, it's not. No, I went to Mexico a couple of years ago for the, for July 4th over that week. And it was like, you'd open your hotel door and it hit a wall right in your face. It would be like, Jesus. Whoa, Is what? there an irony to celebrating the 4th of July in another country? <laughs> It was there was no fireworks. There was or going no- to another country to celebrate your independence. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't to celebrate. It just happened to be the weekend my family had off the most, so we were like, "Yeah, screw it, let's go to Mexico." I don't okay. know. It, it just kind of worked out that way, I guess. But yeah, there's a little bit of irony in it, I suppose. <laughs> oh God. Well, Quinn, we missed some key. We missed some key things last week. One of which was, uh, who the hell are we and why are we doing this? So, um, I, I would like to know why we're doing this too. In in all honesty, but I thought you knew. That I have no idea why we're doing this. This is. This. <laughs> <laughs> but let's uh, let's start with you. Uh, so my name is Quinn Glasgow. Uh, from Minnesota. Uh, still still live in the state. Uh, gotta love Minnesota nice. Um. And I've worked in the restaurant industry for a long time. I was close to about a decade uh, when I left the industry. Um, I left because it, it demands a lot from you. And I wanted to enjoy life with my fiance and my family. And that's pretty hard to do living the, the chef life. Um, but I, I want to take that passion for food and drink and you know, share it with people and encourage people to do the most important thing to becoming a quality bartender or quality chef. Experiment on your own. I got where I got because I apprenticed under people and learned on the job. You don't need to go to culinary school. You don't need to go to bartending school. And honestly, I don't think you should. Well, I'm, I might argue you could go take a bartending class because it's not expensive at all to do that. And it's just like a a weekend, right? It's not that long. You can take a quick bartending class and, you know, get your bartender's license, which means more than nothing. But, you know, it, it would it would be more of a fun experience. Don't lean on it. Is that what you're saying? Right. Don't think that it's going to teach you everything and that you're going to come out of it. Um, mostly looking over at the culinary school and you're not going to come out of it as a chef. Yeah. Um, you're going to come out of it knowing the basics that someone who's working in a kitchen for three to four years should have. And uh, for me, 
Um, my name's Andrew. I am a uh, broadcasting major. I just graduated college. Um, I'm currently 23. Quinn, are you 26, I think? Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> 47? The mustache. Yep. mustache you, should, you could pass for 47. <laughs> uh, 53 and a quarter? <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm 24 or 23, excuse me, and uh, um, just graduated college with a broadcast degree. So podcasting is right up my alley. Um, I've been in sports broadcasting for a couple years, and uh, I was never a big drinker um, in high school or anything like that because you shouldn't be because I wasn't 21. But when I got to college, I um, I kind of developed a um, a kind of a palate for certain kind of alcohols that I was not expecting to happen in my life, I guess. Um, I remember the first time I tried whiskey and I was like, wow, why does this not taste terrible? Everyone hates this drink. And then I tried it again and I was like, do I actually just like the flavor of this? <laughs> and um, that Did was I make boring. you try whiskey for the first no. time? Okay, good. No, I was in my basement at uh, my grandparents' house when I lived with them and they had a bottle of Crown downstairs and I was like... Uh, good old Canadian whiskey. And I was like... Why not? So I put it in my Diet Coke and I was like, this is, this is good. Why do I like this? And um, after that, that's, uh, that's how, that's how she wrote. And then I've been drinking whiskey ever since. And, you know, everyone tries everything when you're going through college. So there's a, a bunch of different type of, I've tried pretty much everything now and I've developed a taste for, I'm a tequila fan. Um, I do. As am I. Yep, I have a bottle of tequila upstairs in my liquor cabinet um, from Mexico that I haven't finished yet. I don't know why I haven't finished. It's almost gone. It's like two shots away from being gone. I just savoring it. I've only taken shots like on birthdays and special occasions. I um, have a bottle of scotch like that. I've had it for about eight years, and I have had probably yeah, it's a seven fifty mil, and maybe a quarter of it is gone. Oh wow! Is it? Are you aging it still too, or is it just no? In the, in it's the just in the barrel, wrapped up in a uh, cloth sack that's then tied shut, and I hide it away. It is. Um, no one really knows where it is in our apartment, other than me, because it will not disappear on me. Yeah, I, I would, I, I can imagine with your uh, Scotch obsession, that would be a bad day for all of your roommates if that one got missing. Right. It's also a rare bottle at most. I think it was 150 of them would exist. Holy uh, crap. Because it was, I purchased it from the oldest independent bottling company in Scotland. And they made a blend that used whiskeys from five distilleries that had gone out of business or closed. Wow. And so it's the last of, of the last for that. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Same. So mine's not obviously that. <laughs> that prestigious, but uh, you can't find it here in the States where we are. So I keep a pretty close eye on that one. Otherwise, um, yeah, I've worked in the restaurant industry for five or six years as well. Uh, mostly serving Quinn's back of house. I'm front of house. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I texted Quinn with the idea for this podcast on the ride ho- on my drive home one day. And um, it was actually on uh, April 20th, 2020. I texted him. I said, you know, concept, a drinking podcast or podcast for talking about alcohol. And I was kind of excited for it. And then Quinn was the one who was very excited for it and ran with it while I lost interest a little bit. And then we pulled back together and we got it done. And we were, we're a couple episodes in now and 
you know, we'll get the hang of this. Right. Yeah. Sooner or later, we won't be sandpaper on the ears, um, which I'm sure our, I'm going to say single listener at this point would, would appreciate. <laughs> You're also going to learn. I love self-deprecating humor. So get used to it. Oh God. We, I mean, would we be friends if we didn't, if we both didn't? I mean, that, that's a big question. Wait, we're friends now. Oh man. All right. Moving on to the next topic. <laughs> like I said at the top of the show, <laughs> we're talking about starting your own bar and not a brick and mortar bar, a bar in your house. Um, like I said, which out- your house might be made of brick and mortar. I'm not, not saying it isn't uh, unacceptable. It needs to be made out of wood. So moving on to <laughs> log cabin bars only log cabin bar only um, definitely go out and buy yourself a little bar set. Uh, and, and along with that, well, well, I didn't mean bar set. We'll talk about that later, but I meant go out and buy yourself a wood like place to put your booze. Don't just put it in a cabinet. Don't put it. You know what I mean? Unless if, if you, unless you really don't have the room, go out and buy a bar. It's going to be like maybe a hundred bucks. You're probably able to find a decent one and, uh, have it in your house. Cause it'll be super I mean, cool. I'm, I'm going to stop you there. I don't think you need to go out and buy a bar. A cabinet works just fine. Um, I got most of my knowledge about drinking from my parents. They just have a little cabinet. And when we're making drinks, we pull them out, put them on the kitchen counter. We have a bar. Um, and like in, in my apartment, we have a bar cart. Um, That's what I'm just because we wanted to put it on wheels so we can bring it down to our party room. Um, but honestly, I don't think you need to, to spend that extra bit of money. Certainly it's nice. If you want to stand behind your bar, have fun feeling that bartender experience, by all means, go ahead and do it. Just know that, you know, I think that's bottom priority uh, underneath, you know, buying your spirits and definitely under buying some of the, it would be nice to have equipment. I think the, the bar, like the bar itself, you can find a table and you can find space in your own home. You, do that you can i don't disagree that it's not priority number one um but i think that it's a, co- a very good conversation piece like i said i have i have one luckily mine's like an antique and i got it from a family member but um i think it's a very good conversation piece because lots of people walk into your house and go what is that a bar what what is that then they want to look in it and you know that could spark up a conversation oh yeah it's a bar you're gonna make you a drink or something and then you can spread your knowledge to other people as well, but I do agree it's not definitely not priority number one. I just think it's a much improved um, extra piece you could add to your collection um, that we're talking about here. But that'll lead us right into equipment on what you do need. So Quinn, uh, head that up on what you think or uh, what we think that um, you definitely need to have to start your bar. So here is a place where I think we're going to have a little bit of disagreement. So I want us to go through one by one and we're going to say whether it's a need to have a nice to have, or it's just unnecessary. Okay. Um, so first a bartender shot glass or a jigger. That's a what need. do you think? That's, that's, that's a need. I'm not, I, I have, agree. I have a problem with people just pouring stuff into a glass and you'll notice on the show that I do that a lot because my, my jigger is in, um, actually it's only upstairs in a bag now. I forgot I brought it in. Um, so I may start using it a little more, but I think that's a 100% need cause you should be mixing drinks correctly. Uh, so you can keep the recipe and make them again. It's not like we're just pouring, uh, you know, a bottle of Jack into a bottle, uh, to a, um, into a water bottle and then putting Coke in there and going to a party. We're trying to make a drink that we like here. 
Right. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with the count off pour or if you get one of those pour tops to put onto your bottle. But oh, then yeah. if you do that, you got to buy one for every one of your bottles. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing the one and two and count off pour, you have to realize that the more full your bottle is, the slower it's going to come out until it hits a point near the middle of the bottle where it's going to come out the fastest. And once you get towards the end of the bottle, again, it's going to be really slow. So your, your counting is going to have to change depending on the level of the bottle. And honestly, if you're beginning, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier if you just have a measurement tool. Um, I mean, I, I think they're just something that extremely necessary and they honestly cost almost no money. So I don't think there's much of an excuse to not have one. I, and they're su- like you said, they're super cheap. You know, make sure you know how much each side is because mine I do not. So I'm just do that's why I talk in parts a lot because I don't know if mine is one and a half and a half ounce or two ounces and an ounce. Like I, I, I it doesn't say on there. And my, my drinker is very, very old because it came with the beer cart or the, the liquor cart. But I think it's a, I think it is a big, big necessity. Um, especially when you're, yeah, I agree. hundred percent. You need to, you need to have that in your bar set for making drinks at any, for any rate. So we're in agreement. You have to have some sort of measurement device. Yeah. Um, let's move on next to the shaker. What do you think, Andrew? I know last episode you said that this is something that you think everyone should have. I, I, do you stand by that now? I, or? I, 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 I think you should have it in case you want to use it because they're not that expensive. And we talked about using a blender bottle even. So you probably have a blender bottle already somewhere in your house. So why not? I mean, and they're not, like I said, they're not expensive to get. And if you buy a bar set that we talk about at the end of this, you know, you will have that in the set. Any type of bar set you buy, you will get one of these um, shakers. So, you know, I think it's a very nice need, but you probably already have something that fits the bill in your house. So, yeah, I'd say it's a nice to have thing. Um, I've actually done some experimenting on just, you know, household items that I can use. For instance, you know, those big cups you get at a movie theater these days that are made out of plastic. Mm -hmm. Use that, put another cup inside of it. Just like you'll see the uh, shakers at bars where it's a glass and then a, what essentially is a milkshake glass. A metal one that bends. And it'll make that seal. And I've been able to replicate that at home with two plastic cups, a glass cup, and a plastic one. And, I mean, so honestly, I think they're a really nice to have one. But if you're going to buy it, don't break the bank. It shouldn't cost more than 10 bucks at the most, I'd say. Um, I've bought a couple of shakers myself. I bought one. It's an OXO Good Grip shaker with a built-in strainer. And I have never been more disappointed in a shaker in my life. It's almost impossible to clean. It doesn't make a good seal when it shakes a year out now from when I bought it. Um, and it, it it's mediocre. It's what I used to shake my drink last week. And uh, it just wasn't that great. So I think a shaker is a nice thing to have. Don't break the bank when you buy it. And before you buy one, experiment with what you have in your house. Um, There will be different materials that are better for holding that cold, like a plastic. It's not going to do a great job of cooling, but it's not going to be the worst thing in the world either. 
Yep. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, moving on to the next thing, you talk about mixing glasses and pitchers. I don't 100% understand what, you, what you're getting at here. I, well, I just think of a bar glass when you say this. Right. So a mixing glass or a mixing pitcher, it kind of looks like a big beaker. Um, and you'll put whatever you're mixing into it, and then you stir it really quickly with a bar spoon, which we'll get to, I believe, next here. And it's about 20 rotations is the goal. The difference between cooling down and mixing this way versus shaking Shaking, you break apart your ice and you start to water down your drink. And a stirring mix or using a mixing glass, you're not going to break down that ice. So you're not going to dilute the liquid as much. You're going to mix it up just as well. Um, and you're going to cool it down just as much. So it's the difference of, well, do you want it James Bond style, a little bit watered down? Or do you want it stirred? Well... I think that's uh don't need it all. I mean, you, you mean I, I couldn't, I see no reason because if you're putting out for this uh, shaker, so, okay. So if what I want to do here is I want you to have a shaker and just use the shaker part of that, that metal and stir inside of that and then pour it out. I just don't see any reason to not use something you have, or if you have that shaker, it fits both of these needs. Yeah, I can agree with that. I actually put this at the same level as a shaker. I think of it as a kind of one or the other if you're getting started at home. Okay. I prefer my drink my drinks generally stirred to shaken. So I kind of regret having not purchased one of these. And now that I have a couple of shakers, yeah, you're right. That's what I do is I just stir inside the shaker. But the shape of your shaker isn't quite what you're going to want to see. They also tend not to be as tall. The goal when you're using one of these stirring pitchers um, or mixing glasses is you're going to essentially create a little vortex in the center. And it's going to push all the liquid up against the sides, mixing it really quickly and swirling that ice around. Or if you're using a mixing container, you're not going to, or a uh, shaker, you're not going to be able to replicate that same kind of vortex without it flying up over the edges. Valid. Valid. And so you're not going to get the same kind of mix because if you really want to use it correctly and effectively, you need to get that vortex, that little tornado inside the glass to fully mix and cool it efficiently without watering it down. Understandable. And now we look at the bar spoon and you know, I've made um, Moscow mules, not Moscow mules, um, white Russians with my friends. And I used a just a regular spoon to top off with a um, with that cream. And I've also made uh, New York sours, which we talked about a little bit last episode um, with my friends. And to put that wine on top and to get it to float, I used a regular spoon as well. So I think it worked just as fine. But. Quinn, if you're making a bunch of stirred drinks, I think a bar spoon could work pretty pretty much in your favor rather than using a knife or something. Oh, I, I agree. I think a bar spoon is a nice to have. It's not a necessity, but it's a much longer spoon. It's a curved metal, which allows you to have a better tactile feel and a lot more control, especially when stirring quickly. The shape of it is generally 
measured out amongst and standardized amongst all the spoons. I don't remember what that measurement is. I believe it is exactly one tablespoon, which would be 0.5 ounces, but don't quote me on that. Um, I also believe that, you know, if you're going to be making lots of drinks, that longer spoon is going to make it a hell of a lot easier because you're not going to be sticking your you know, hand into, say it's a Tom Collins glass, you know, those highballs. If you want to reach the bottom of that drink, you're putting your first knuckles into the liquid. And I would rather not serve a guest uh, a, a finger finished drink. Well, why not? <laughs> no, I think we both know why, how that, why that's super gross. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Now we move on to a muddler. And that would be like what you use to um, muddle up like mint leaves, right? Yeah. Basically a really angry stick. <laughs> uh, you know, I have never made a drink where I needed a muddler, but I do enjoy Moscow mules a lot. And uh, um, mint drinks are not, are, are very popular these days. So, you know, I yeah, would aromatics not... are getting really popular in drinks. Uh, so are like sage and rosemary, uh, even lavender. So did you muddle your rosemary last week? I didn't. I should have. Okay. Because uh, what I did last week is I just kind of slapped it a couple of times in my hands to break up and release the oils. <laughs> but if I was smart, I would have muddled it. It would have had a much better flavor. It just I'm just trying to imagine you slapping some leaves and it's just absolutely hilarious. Oh, I mean that's what you should do anytime you're using <laughs> herbs. If you're not going to cut it, you should slap that leaf. <laughs> Hashtag slap that leaf and yep. um, immediately after you do it, you're going to notice so much more smell out of it because you just broke down its cellular structure a little bit, started to release those oils, those essential oils you're now going to be able to mix in your food and your drink. So you, you have this as a need, and I can't imagine it being a need for my bar at this point, at least. And you're the one who's more experienced. So I definitely err on the side of you. But the reason I have it marked as a need is so for these last couple, we've said they're nice to have, but there's other options. Oh, I understand. You don't have another option in your kitchen to replace a muddler, at least not one that's going to work as well. Uh, certainly, you can go outside get a stick, sand it down. Guess what? You just made yourself a muddler because you needed a muddler to make that drink. You know, you could also use, you know, the back of a mallet. The issue is those tend to be rounded, so you're not going to really muddle that effectively. You could use a mortar and pestle, but then you're going to risk breaking your glass. So honestly, I believe a muddler is just, it might not be the top of the need to have, but if I'm looking for a tool, that's going to be up there because it's one that's not easily replaced. Well, not easily replaced with something you already have in your kitchen that's going to do the job well. And a lot of the drinks I really like include some muddled things. I'm a big fan of the Irish Maid, which is muddled cucumber, some honey, uh, some whiskey and a couple other ingredients. And I also, during the summer, I love muddling up a little bit of mint in a rum drink or a gin drink. 
a gin and tonic with a little bit of mint added can be delicious. Uh, it kind of adds just a whole new experience to it. That does sound good. Uh, I've even muddled up some chive in my drinks before because I wanted to try something a little bit different. Um, and, you know, depending on the amount of chive you put in there, it tastes really good That's or it problem. tastes like onion. It tastes well, like consider, onion. Consider, there are some drinks that people put cocktail onions in. I And never chive seen that. is a much more delicate flavor. It, it's not a punch-in-the-face onion. It, it's more like the the aroma of the onion, the, the, um, I'm trying to just explain, I guess, like the essence of onion to it that without sounds, the spice of the onion. That sounds gross. <laughs> and mean, I'm not, if you use it wrong, it's, definitely. It's not, it's not that I hate onions. It's just, I don't, I don't like the essence of an onion at all. <laughs> you mean you don't like a good caramelized onion? No, actually, no, I don't like fried onions at all. I didn't say fried. I said caramelized. That's the same. No, if they're not the same. A fried onion is is frying. Caramelized is breaking down the 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 sugar in it and caramelizing it. Uh, maybe maybe I haven't sweeter. But does it still taste like onion? Yeah, that's the problem I have. I don't want it, it to taste like onion. Fair enough, but I mean, then consider you know, lavender and some lemonade. I even just do this at home. When I make some lemonade, I'll muddle a little bit of lavender because I want it to be that sounds good. A little bit different, or else I'll throw some basil in there. Basil lemonades are super popular nowadays. That sounds like it'd be good too. I'm I'm on the same page as you, just not with the onion. <laughs> Fair enough. So next up, we have juicers. Uh, this is one that I think they're nice to have, but I can't in right mind say that they're a need to have because I know how to juice a lime with my hands. How about you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can, yeah, it's not that hard. <laughs> right. And so a juicer is definitely nice to have. If you have a couple of little cuts on your hands or just being able to stop the seed from coming through, they're definitely a nice thing to have, but in no stretch of the imagination, are they something that I can say are a need to have? You have to have this in your bar because they're, they're simply not. No, I would never. I, I think it's pretty across the board. You don't need a juicer. So we go on to uh, bottle openers and corkscrews. And, you know, <laughs> the funny thing is that I thought I had a bottle opener on my keys when we were starting this. And I didn't. But I have a multi-tool that I keep in my um, dining or my living room table. And that had a bottle opener in it. And I'm sure there's. And all, I have a bunch of other bottle openers packed away because I'm at my mom's. Um, and I'm sure you have probably at least 10 in your house. So I think that the real thing here is finding a corkscrew that you might not have if you're not a wine drinker. Right. Which honestly, if you're not a wine drinker, you're not going to need a corkscrew unless you're inviting over a wine drinker. So I, I see the corkscrews and the bottle openers as a must, but odds are you already own them. And if, say, you're not a beer drinker, you just really hate the taste of beer and you only buy ciders with twist-off caps, then yeah, sure, you can skip over it. Or if you just don't like wine and when you have guests over who want wine, you have them bring their own uh, well, corkscrew, which that's, that's fine. But That's what I have a problem with. 
they're probably going to forget it and probably have a bottle that you're not going to be able to get into. And no one wants to play around with a drill. I mean, I, th- I think it's a lot of fun trying to crack open a wine bottle when you don't have a, a course you frustrating sometimes, but very fun. Oh, opening it with a saber where you just crack off the top. No, no. Where you, well, there's a couple different ways. One is you drill a, you put a screw into it and then you take a hammer and you clip it around and you pull out, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it just rips out part of the corkscrew and you're screwed. Um, you might have to uh, push. You no might have pun to, intended. You, God damn it. <laughs> you might have to push it into the bottle, which is another option that is not great. Or you can do the shoe method. Quinn, have you heard about this before? Is that where you just slap the bottom of it and you use the pressure to push out the cork? Yeah. So you put it in a shoe, like into the where your foot starts to go. And then you hold the bottle and the shoe together and you swing it against the wall at the shoe at the shoe sole and it pushes presser and pressure and it, it works. But I did it for like I was in my apartment uh, two years ago and we did it for like 10 like swings and the corkscrew was like barely out. And I felt bad because I didn't want to put a hole in the wall or um, wake up any of my room any of our apartment mates that were in the walls around us. So we, we used the screw method. But. I think it was a lot of fun and my, it was more fun that my roommate was nervous that the bottle was going to fall out and break on the floor. (laughs) Right. So I guess there's probably easier ways to open a bottle with like, other than a bottle opener, you know, there's the, use the edge of a desk, smack it real hard. I actually almost said that he uses his teeth to open his bottles. I don't recommend it. Um, but you look like a badass when you do it. Well, okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that you need a corkscrew at all times. All right, do you, do you disagree? I think you have to have one because if you're an adult, you're probably going to throw a dinner party at some time, and someone's going to bring wine. No, I definitely don't disagree. I think that these are two must-haves, but I think that sure, there's certain cases where you could justify not having one or the other. But if that is the case, you need to have a plan ready for if you invite someone over that needs it. So we move on to stir sticks and picks. I think you always have um, toothpicks in your house somewhere. I think that's a great thing to have just in the house. I think in general you should have toothpicks because they're useful. But that would be the only thing here I would buy. I don't think anything else beyond that is necessary unless you have like kebab sticks and you make kebabs a lot. Right. I think these are two things that are honestly wholly unnecessary. Unnecessary. Um, you just you don't need them. How often are you going to be making a Bloody Mary where you need to dress it to the nines? How often are you going to have a drink where you want your olives on a toothpick as opposed to in the drink? I just I think they're unnecessary. They make it look pretty. Um, they make stirring easier in some cases, but guess what? I have a spoon. I have a knife. If I really want it to be more skinny, I can flip my spoon upside down and use the stick part. I, I think these are unnecessary. They're cool to have growing up. My parents had a massive collection of stir sticks and picks and the way they got them is they went to bars and (laughs) they just asked if they could have 10 and they were given like 50. As long when as I was working in the restaurant, I acquired probably about 300 stir sticks because I had a bartender hand me the pack and go, just throw them away or take them home. 
were they, I, I think they were annoyed with you, Quinn. <laughs> I think they were annoyed. I think they were annoyed with you. <laughs> uh, no, well, they were annoyed because I gave them another box of them because it had been sitting in my kitchen for about a week, and I don't have any use for stir sticks and lots of plastic in my kitchen because one, if I'm going to stir something, a stir stick is not going to be the option, and two, plastic melts, especially shitty bar plastic. That's true. Not saying that it's plastic that's going to get you sick, but it's not made to be heat resistant because how many drinks are hot enough to melt a plastic? None. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about you put spirits and I just think about when I was in Europe and I would say, Oh, let's go get some, well, we got to drink some liquor and everybody would be like, what, the, what are you, what the fuck are you talking about? No, it's time to get spiritual. No, we're gonna, it's liquor. I, you're Quinn. You grew up in the States. Yeah, but it, I'm calling these spirits because liquor, we can also include some liqueurs and, you know, we can also include beers and wines. These are the hard spirits, hard liquor. And we're going to start with our favorites, which are whiskey. Oh, right. hold on. Wait, 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 wait. What, what is the point of this? What is your point? I mean, explain to everyone why we're talking about this. Well, we're talking about this because you're trying to figure out what you're going to stock your bar with. And so I've just kind of made a list of you know if you're not going to pick all these different types of spirits pick your favorite one or two and then one or two that you know the majority of your guests are going to like and then build your bar around those but what we've given you here today is just kind of a list of all of them and then some recommendations to go with we're looking for things that aren't necessarily exceptional but instead are exceptionless the reason i make that differentiation is I'm a big scotch fan. I think scotch is exceptional. I really like an Isla or an Isle, which is a really smoky, peaty, slappy in the face with a forest fire kind of drink. I think it's delicious, but there's a lot of exceptions to the rule of whiskeys when you're drinking a scotch like this. So these scotches didn't make my list because the goal here is to get something that's going to be able to be used in a lot of different drinks. And so you're going to see, as I go through some of my recommendations, I tend to lean on the Irish side. Irish whiskeys tend to be a little bit sweeter and a little bit smoother than other whiskeys, which is going to allow them to be used in lots of different applications. So yeah, moving on to whiskey, your number one choice here is Jameson. Yeah, so I wouldn't quite say it's number one, Jameson is probably going to be the one that I recommend to people most because it's going to be one that you recognize, you know, the flavor profile of, and your guests know the flavor profile of. I it's make a by no means one of my favorite whiskeys. It's a whiskey I really like. I have some beef with Jameson, um, which mostly comes from going through the Jameson distillery tour and I had an issue at one point where they, they kind of bragged about how they toast their grains in a way that prevents any smoke flavor from getting to them because, well, I'm a smoke flavor guy. And uh, to me, that was just them bragging about their, their grains not having a whole lot of flavor, which isn't true. It's me being mean to Jameson. But you got to understand, when I was there and they had me do the taste test, I chose the Johnny Walker Black Label over it because, well, my last name's Glasgow. 
Well, I just want, I want to point out that, you know, in the States, Jameson is more of a premium spirit. But over there, it's definitely not. Like in the UK and in Ireland, it's not a premium on-the-shelf kind of bottle. You can get Jameson pretty cheap in places, which I was shocked when I got. We were somewhere and I got a shot of, it was $2 or two euro for a shot of Jameson or one euro for a shot of Jameson. And I was like, that's literally nothing. What I don't understand why it's so cheap. And they were like, it's just it's just whiskey. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> it's like getting a, a shot of uh, Jack Daniels here. It's nothing special. No. And I'm, I'm not saying this to trash on Jack Daniels, even though I really don't like Jack Daniels. I think it kind of tastes will. bad. But I will. <laughs> um, I have friends who swear by Jack. Um, they've had me try Gentleman Jack, which to me tastes like Jack Daniels if it was just a little bit better tasting. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to shit on it. There's – I have really good friends who are bourbon drinkers, swear by it. But I think if you're going to go with a bourbon, you can find something better than Jack Daniels at around the same price range. Um, and yeah, but moving on to the second recommendation, this is actually my recommendation for an Irish whiskey to drink. It's Dewar's Irish whiskey. It's got a little bit more of a body and complex flavor than a Jameson. It's still on the sweet and the smooth side of a whiskey, but oh, the, the Dewar's White Label, it's honestly the same price. I think it's a dollar or two more expensive than Jameson, but I think it it's just – it adds a little bit more to your drink. But if you have never had Dewar's and you're not so sure about trying it, yeah, go with Jameson. I'm sure you've tried Jameson. You know what it is. Stick with the things you know. If there's an Irish whiskey that I didn't include – in these two, which there's definitely an Irish whiskey I didn't include in my list of two possible options here. Go with that one if it's one that you prefer. If it's a flavor you know and something you really like, go with it. Um, but then I'm going to move into the bourbons and the rise. If I had to pick two bourbons, they would be Buffalo Trace and then Bullet. I really like these two. Buffalo Trace is a little bit on the more expensive end, but honestly, it's not that much more expensive than your Jameson or your Dewar's. I tend to search for bottles in that golden kind of area of $25 to $35 a liter. Yeah. And then Bullet Rye, it's a really accessible rye whiskey. I like rye whiskeys. They tend to have a little bit of a pepperiness to them. They they have a kick, they have character, they have chutzpah. <laughs> and bullets <laughs> everywhere. They're a little bit more expensive, like you said. That's going to be more of a, a spendy kind of bottle for your bullet. But And you can find cheaper rye. And I think if you have that rye taste, it's going to be a little more expensive anyways because of the make and everything of it. But um, if you're going out and buying a rye, I don't, I don't see a, a problem going cheaper. Just know that you're gonna, you get what you pay for in liquor and uh, in spirits so you could find a cheap one that you like a lot but odds are the next level up is going to taste better right another thing to also keep in mind when considering the price of alcohol most of the time once you get into your more expensive alcohols it's not being priced based off of quality it's being priced based off of rarity so you're going to see some scotches that are insanely expensive 
because there's almost none of them. Does that make it the best scotch? No, by no means. It's just one of the rarest scotches. So that's another thing to consider. Just like wines, a lot of times price is going to be baked into, well, what's the supply of it like? And we'll move on to vodkas. Let me know how you feel about that, Quinn. Now, I'm including vodkas here. They certainly have their place. I might not be the biggest vodka fan, but I, I'm not going to trash vodka. Uh, here I listed the first two ones are my favorites. And then the third one is one that I know tons of people like. I'm not the biggest fan of, but I appreciate it as, you know, it's a good vodka. The first one I'm going to bring up is Rika. It's an Icelandic vodka uh, made with grains. There's generally two types, grain or potato-based. Rika, really good, pretty smooth. Serve it chilled. It's going to be a little bit better when it's cold. Um, I'm definitely next, a fan of this one. Right, Rika is a good Rika's a good vodka. For other all mixing, but Rika is a good vodka. Right, Rika is one that you know you could even take a shot of, and you're not going to be upset. Yeah. Next up, we have Purus. This vodka is the vodka if I had to pick a vodka to buy and to drink, and it would be the only one that I could have, the only alcohol I could have, it would be Purus if I had to specifically choose a vodka. Um, Purus is, I think I mentioned it last episode where it tasted like drinking water. Yeah, probably. It is an Italian vodka. I believe it's a grain-based, and... I haven't had it in quite a few years, but last I remember it was priced at about 32 bucks a bottle, nothing insane for a liter. And it's one that tastes really good. You're not going to worry about getting that rubbing alcohol taste into your drinks that you're kind of talking about getting with you, the, not your mother's that you're drinking kind of that taste of low quality vodka that you're going to get. It's, I don't know how many times it's filtered, but it's filtered enough to taste like water. It's it's kind of scary in the fact that it's an 80 proof drink that tastes like nothing but nothingness. <laughs> and then the final one, I don't know if you've had this, uh, Tito's. It's a vodka out of Texas. Mm -hmm. I I have. It's pretty pretty damn good. I'm not gonna lie. It's uh if you're making vodka drinks, Tito's is definitely the way to go. I have a bottle of. New Am 100 proof, so like the stronger level of New Am vodka, and it's more refined. By New Am, you mean New Amsterdam? Yeah, right? New, New Am hospital vodka. So don't drink New Am if you have an option. Don't drink hospital taka. vodka. Don't drink Taka. Don't drink any. If you're going to drink vodka, pay for a, a better vodka because, God, that's just, it's bad. Um, Oh God. Tito, yeah. Tito's is not bad. I've had bottles left with me before. That's how I acquired them because you know, that's how it works when you're around our friend, our, our friend kind of group. Um, the only other one I'd add here, Quinn is that we talked about it last week, that hammer and sickle vodka, um, for a seven, five, it's, uh, $25 down here in uh, the cities is where I found it. Um, Minneapolis, St. Paul, but I, I, I liked it. It was smooth. It was good. And one of our friends swears swears on it, and he loves that stuff. So definitely another option there if you're looking for more of a maybe shooter type of vodka because he was drinking it straight. 
<laughs> I would like to do a comparison between that and Purus sometime. I think it would be interesting to see which is better because I have a hard time believing it's better than Purus. I would um, love to do that. Once we can get more in-person kind of stuff, I would definitely come up and do a show where we taste test some vodka type stuff. Right. Uh, a post-disease episode. Yeah. Post-pandemic episode. <laughs> and Now, I didn't include your probably two most common vodkas here, UV and Smirnoff. Good God. Thank you. No, honestly, particular reason other than I don't really like them. Bartenders good. I know say, yeah, if you live in an area where you don't have a whole lot of different options, go with them. They're going to be just fine. They're going to be used in a mixed drink. You're going to lose it in the drink. That's okay. But they're they're kind of a rail drink, um, not something that is going to be appreciated much for its flavor. And I'm, I'm sure there's people who disagree with us on this. Good. <laughs> I want to hear your arguments for why you think that it is such a good drink. I would love to hear someone try to try to tell me that Smirnoff is a good vodka. Not like flavored Smirnoff, regular Smirnoff. So let's move on to gin. One of the most divisive liquors uh, other than the one we'll get to next. Uh, Gin, I'm going to recommend Tangeray. Tangeray is, it comes in the green bottle. It's iconic. It's good. It's, it's not going to break the bank. It's nothing super special. It, It has a little bit, of that juniper taste to it, but not one that's, you know, like licking a pine tree. (laughs) Go on. Sorry. That was just spot on. (laughs) But Tangeray is one go to any bar. They're going to have a bottle of Tangeray. Why? Because it's cheap. It's good. And people like it. Next up, I'm going to do a shout out to Norseman distillery in St. Paul, Minnesota, Norseman gin, it's magnificent. It is a little bit more on the expensive side because, well, it's a local kind of micro brew, not quite micro distilled. They, they've started producing a good amount, but you know, they're still in kind of the infancy of being a distillery, but what they've made with their gin is really good. I've, I've had it a number of different, you know, parties I've gone to, I've been to their distilleries bar a couple of times. And I mean, that was the gin that last episode we talked about a friend of ours who just hates gin. He went to me to the Norseman distillery and had three gin drinks and loved every single one of them, which a lot of that is on their bartenders being highly skilled and making very creative, delicious drinks. But every drink they make is to accent and to emphasize the quality of the alcohol that they make at that distillery. So Norseman, I don't know if it's in other states. I know it's all across Minnesota. It's probably in Wisconsin, probably in the Dakotas. If you find it at a liquor store near you, try it. It's delicious. Yeah. I, any Norseman, anything, they make vodka as well. Norseman's a, just a good brand, and it's always good to buy local if you have a little bit more spending cash and can up yourself to some of your local distilleries definitely um bring business to them go tour their their distilleries they love to have you there they love to see people and get people to try their um their stuff in person right and generally those local distilleries and local breweries they make a really good product for honestly one reason 
they make the product because they want to make that product because they care about that product. Once you get into your, you know, much bigger distilleries like Phillips, which is also based here in Minnesota, uh, they produce lots of different brands and you know, their alcohol's okay. It's not great because if you consider the people making it, um, nothing against them, not saying that they're all there just for the paycheck, but I think a lot of people are there because you know, it's a job where once you get to your more local distilleries, more local breweries, they're there because of passion and love. And, and passion and love come through in almost any craft. They do. I, I agree. And your last one's uh, Beef Eater, which is just your, your run of the mill. I think that's one. That one's as iconic as Tangeray, to be honest. I agree. It is just as iconic. I don't like it as much, which oh. is a personal preference. I think Tangeray tastes a little bit better, but that's the one that, you know, my parents used Tangeray when I was growing up. My grandma would drink gin and tonics with Tangeray and she would let me try them. And so I, I developed a taste for Tangeray over Beefeater. But Beefeater by no means can be called a bad gin. It's going to be one that people are going to like and odds are you're going to like it too. If you like gin, of course, or if you, once you develop a taste for gin because you have to have it done correctly. Um, another one that I really enjoy is Bombay Sapphire. Oh, and, that's a good one. And I think that that's more of a starter gin because it has a it has fruity notes to it rather than just um your typical pine tree kind of note to it uh i do think that that one is if you're going to start off i think a bombay sapphire if you're if you're not at a really nice gin bar because if you're a really nice gin bar literally tell them give me whatever you think i should drink and they will make a drink for you that you will like but if you're making your own or just getting something try that bombay sapphire because it's going to have more of a fruity note and you can mix it with juice instead of maybe a, a tonic or a soda water and you'll get a little bit more flavor to it. That's a good note to add there. Yeah. I kind of forgot all about Sapphire <laughs> to be honest. I just don't drink it. So I was looking through a list of gins before this and yeah, I just looked over that one. Well, um, <laughs> so next, great choice. next up, we're going to talk about the most divisive alcohol which I think it has no place being this divisive. I think it's magical, and I'm fairly certain you agree. Tequila. Tequila is great. And here's, here's, the, here's the big thing that I like about tequila. It is the only, only liquor, only um, spirit that is not a depressant. And that's, that's a fact. That is the only one that is not a depressant on the human body, which is probably why people get so insane when they drink tequila because your body reacts to it in a different way. It is not, it, it's still liquor. It's still a spirit, but it's your body at its chemical form is reacting to it in a different format. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. And you know, I did some research on this because my, I have some alcoholic um, stuff in my family, alcoholism. And my sister would drink a lot of tequila because she's older than me. She would drink a good amount of tequila. And she, she said, told me that. And I was like, no way. So I looked it up and it's got merit to it. It's the, the fact has merit to it. It's not, it's not based on a depressant. It's made from the agave plant, which is in a different, I don't understand the process directly. If somebody it's a could, different type of sugar than yeah, like a cane or a beet. It, something like that. It's not, it, it, it doesn't, well, obviously your reaction to alcohol is different, but it doesn't bring the body's mental down. It, it's a, it's an upper, which is really weird. Um, probably why you get so crazy when you go to Mexico. I, I don't know why, but 
Um, we can talk about the different kinds now. So there's five, actually. Uh, your main three are the ones you're going to see, but we'll, we'll name all of them here. So you have your silver, your platinum, your Blanco. Um, these are aged only one to these are aged only zero to two months, so they could not be aged at all. Uh, these are good mixing tequilas. They're like the white dogs of of tequila. For those of you who don't know, white dog is an unaged bourbon. Yeah, so it's gonna have less oaky, less um, of a wood flavor to it, and more just be like a straight, hard and biting tequila flavor. And then we have. One of uh, the lower ones that are that are not seen often, which is Joven, uh, means young in Spanish. They also are called gold tequilas, Dorado tequilas, or Oro tequilas. Um, I had I haven't found much information on these ones, but it just means young, and they can be aged in very various different ways. Uh, then we have our Reposado, which is a couple months to a year for aging. Uh, gives it's got it's aged in a barrel obviously so you'll get more of a wood flavor to it and i believe um that's more along the lines of what you would like quinn yeah i'm i'm a big fan of a reposado and an añejo yeah and then we have the añejo which you just mentioned uh it's the aged tequila it's aged at least one year um you know this is your kind of adult tequila your this is what we're going to recommend, I believe, to have in your case uh, a Reposado or an Anejo because um, your silver is just a little too basic. And if you want to take shots, I think you should really get up to this Anejo or Reposado kind of level. And then um, before we go into our actual choices, the last one is an extra Anejo, which is at least three years aged. And I have never seen that. Um, those are probably going to be your unbelievably expensive bottles of tequila. I have never seen that either. However, my family does kind of the equivalent of doing that. Um, we will take, you know, those spiralized wood that you throw in bottles to continue aging. Mm -hmm. We'll throw that into a, um, a Blanco or an Añejo or an, a Reposado and just try and elevate that flavor, bring it to the next level. Um, it's something my dad loves to do anytime we go there for holidays. My dad, my sister and I, my mom as well. We'll pour a glass of, or a shot of the tequila. I'll try it and, you know, kind of comment on, well, how good is it compared to what it was? And they'll open up a bottle of what it was, essentially. Just the, the same one, but, you know, unaged or unaged in our house. And I can tell you it makes a big difference. So if you want to try and, you know, save a little bit of money, go with a Blanco and start to age it yourself, by all means, try it. I'm, I'm not going to tell you not to. I think it's a great idea, but you're going to want to sample it somewhat consistently because flavors can change significantly in as little as a week. Uh, I've done a lot more with, you know, aging my own whiskeys at home. And I've definitely had some regrets where I should have pulled it out of my cask because I let it go an extra week. And the beautiful blended, like fruity, whiskey that I had is now oaky and smoky and still delicious, but not as good as it was. So if you're going to try this, you got to make sure that you're, you're sampling often, but back to your point, I completely agree. I think you should go with probably a Reposado at home for your bar. It's going to be one that you're not going to feel bad about mixing because it's not aged as much as an Añejo, so it doesn't quite carry the same price tag. 
but it's going to have a little bit more complex of a flavor. And it's also going to be one that's pretty delicious kind of by itself. I don't know if you're a believer that you should take tequila with salt and lime. I personally don't. I think it's best if you just sip the tequila and, you know, experience the flavors that it has to offer. I, I like the flavor, but I'm not a huge sipper of anything. I can get through like a small glass of whiskey and enjoy the flavors. If it's just, you know, just like a sipper kind of thing. Um, I could probably get through a uh, like a glass on ice of tequila, uh, really good tequila, but I'd rather shoot it and taste the flavors um, but not let it burn as I sip on it. Uh, you're a big fan of the burn. I'm not a huge fan of uh, uh, sipping alcohol and letting it ferment your neck. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a big fan of the burn so much. I, I tend to, when I'm looking for a sipping alcohol, find something that's a little less burn, uh, except for my scotches. Uh, those ones, I love to feel the burn. Yeah. <laughs> And our two choices are going to be Hornitos and Don Julio. And I think that mm, you should. Don Julio. <laughs> I, Quinn, I know you agree. I think you should really stay away from your really expensive, really off the wall, because it's the same thing. You're not paying for quality, especially with Patron. You're paying for the name. Patron is not. Is it, it, I, I'm going to take. I don't think this is a bold stance in people who drink tequila, but Patron is not a great tequila when when you're a tequila drinker i think it's i think you're paying for that patron name almost 100 percent, and you could go out and get that don julio instead and get a, just a better tasting tequila altogether right i agree but i i'm still gonna say that a patron is better than a jose cuervo well, it's, I think it's not something that tastes like you know the acid in your stomach is already coming up <laughs> I'm sure that's an unfair statement to make about Jose Cuervo, but I honestly, I don't like it. It's just pretty bad in my opinion. <laughs> and if you're going to spend the money to get a good tequila, you're looking at Don Julio and Patron next to each other. The price per bottle is about the same. Mm-hmm. Just grab the Don Julio. And when someone tells you to grab the El Padrino instead because it's a buck less than Don Julio and it's just as good, if not better, they're lying to you and it's terrible. Well, that sounds like a Sorry. personal experience that we might oh, have to say yeah, for the tequila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. rage. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can move on to everyone. I think, I think by far the most popular liquor, pop, popular spirit on the planet, which is rum. rum. I, rum. I think. I think it's beyond the most popular. I think if you're asking what they're what somebody's drinking, at least two out of three times they're gonna say rum. Uh, I think tequila and whiskey are pretty up there, though. I, I mean, wouldn't quite say that rum is the most popular. It might be in college, though. Well, it's sweeter. That's why I think. So you have to think of anybody who doesn't want to who wants a sweet taste. They're gonna probably go toward. And I don't even. I'm not gonna count Jack as a whiskey. So if you're using the Jack push I, I i i can barely call that a whiskey as it is so. it's a bourbon perfect 51 percent does not, alcohol. Does not a, count in the whiskey category then <laughs> uh whiskey is a type of bourbon. technically whiskey is just a term for grain alcohol with some specifics on it All but right, that's well, why it creates such that. a wide category and we won't get into that today we'll wait for the whiskey episode <laughs> and you started out with your light and i i just can't agree with this one well so the reason I said a Bacardi light 
is because it's something that's going to mix really well. You're going to be able to throw it in mixed drinks. It's not going to overpower. They tend to be a little bit delicate. Um, or if you buy a really bad like clear rum, it's going to be harsh. But that's why you got to make sure you're buying a right one. The recommendation I have here is Bacardi Superior. Is it one that I stock at my bar? No. It It's not my preference by any means. But I know a lot of people who do prefer it, who do recommend a white rum as the one you keep at your bar. And there's some you know good arguments for that. It mixes really well. It's an exceptionless, not exceptional. I disagree. And it, it follows that rule. I don't think it mixes that well at all. I think it. I think you can taste the nail polish remover at all times unless you've mixed it, unless you've undermixed it, which is disappointing. And then all you really taste is your mixer, which you're, you know, you're whatever you're mixing it with. Well, that, that's why I'm not recommending just the Bacardi white rum. It's the Bacardi Superior white rum, which is a little I, bit better. I just but, can't imagine it being so much better that I'd want. I'd, I'd rather go to a spiced rum any day of the week. Right. But there will be some drinks where a spiced rum isn't quite what you want. Whereas if you take a white rum, you need it to be a spiced rum. Guess what? You have spices in your kitchen. You have that cinnamon, you have that clove, you can make it fill that role, but it's hard to take just like the rule in cooking. You should undersalt your food to start if you're not sure, because you can always add more salt. You can't take it out. And then we move on to our dark rum, which is a favorite of ours in Kraken. Oh, Kraken. Uh, this is the rum that I keep at home. I like black rums. They're sweeter. They're a little bit more syrupy. Um, and they're they're just really good. You can make a dark and stormy out of them. That's a ginger beer and a black rum with a the rum floated floated on top. And honestly, it's just fun. It's it's a great rum. It's not the best rum in the world. It's not the best black rum in the world either. It's one that is pretty accessible. It's Pretty much anywhere I've tried to look for a black rum, you're going to see the Seagram's Black Seal, which is another great option. I prefer Kraken to Black Seal, though Black Seal is a little bit smoother. I I think that Kraken's a great option. Kraken and Coke I've had um, actually turned out pretty well. And uh, I think you should go for the more exp more expensive and more liquored up, 96%, I believe it is, 94%. Uh, Kraken, uh, just because you could mix a little bit less than it'll, it'll last you a little longer, or you can mix more or the same. And you know, it does, it takes its effect a little bit faster. Um, would you consider need less throughout the night? <laughs> exactly. Would you consider captain a dark rum or a Jamaican spiced? Well, it's not a Jamaican rum, but it captain Morgan is a spiced rum. I think that's another staple of your bar just because it's just an easy flat, Mix mixes very well, and your your guests are probably going to like it and whatever you put it in. Right, Captain Morgan is a really good safe option, um, but if you want to go with something that's a little bit different on the spice rum front, Mount Gay. Mount Gay is a little bit more expensive. I think it's somewhere around thirty five forty dollars a liter today, and. It's it's just delicious. My parents tell me stories about when they um, 
went to the Caribbean and this was probably close to 30 years ago now, but Mount Gay was still producing uh, rum, but didn't have their own bottles yet. So instead they used bottles that had been recycled. So they'd go to the recycling plant, get bottles, sterilize them. So you would get Mount Gay rum in a Tangeray bottle, in a Tito's bottle, in a uh, Buffalo Trace bottle, in a Jack Daniels bottle. They were all unique. And it's a pretty good rum. Like they have their own bottle now. They they've standardized, which is really nice. And also it's kind of sad. I wish that I had been able to buy it back in the day when it came in a random bottle, because I think that's kind of fun. That's kind of like what Milagro does with their blown glass bottles. Like you can get some that have a pineapple blown into the middle. And now those are fancy and you're paying up for those bottles. Whereas this, it's just the, it adds some character. Definitely a big part of their history, I think. And we can't forget about that, but you know, you move on to a brandy and you pick the two choices that I've seen at every single bar in my life. <laughs> right. Uh, because when I'm thinking brandy, I'm thinking E&J. Honestly, yeah. yeah, I've had a couple of different brandies. I can't tell you what they were. They weren't E&J uh, is all I can say. They were fine. I didn't hate them. Uh, I'm fairly certain one of them I really liked. I wish I had the name of it for you today, but I don't. Um, but if you're going to stock a brandy, I think it should be an E&J and it should be one of these two. The VSOP, the Very Superior Old Pale, which is kind of that middle line. You have the VS, the Very Special. Then you have your VSOP, and then you have your E&J XO. Do you know what XO stands for? Extra Old extra old it does not stand for hugs and kisses though it is what that brandy deserves this is a rail brandy you're talking about enj xo yeah no enj regular uh, vs is the rail vsop is kind of their next step up it used to be their really good one until they came out with enj xo probably about a decade ago okay um and so that's kind of the progression think of your three levels of tequila uh, through the aging process, your Blanco, your Reposado, and your Añejo for the, the three basics. That's your VS, your VSOP, and your XO. Heard. Understand. Understand now. You know, you added vermouth on here, and I, I agree. Um, I'm not a huge fan when I've had it in anything I've had. You know, I, I, I you're not going to like to hear this, but I had a Negroni, and it was disgusting. So you will have to make it for me because Arthur made it, one of our friends, and I hated it. Well, so the use of vermouth is not only in a Negroni, which we'll touch on in a minute, and I can completely believe you didn't like it. It's it's an interesting one. Um, but, you know, sweet and dry vermouth, if you want to make a Tom Collins, if you want to make a uh, perfect Brandy Manhattan, just a Manhattan, a Brandy Manhattan, kind of any of your classic drinks, your bar drinks – it's going to have either a sweet or a dry vermouth. Vermouth is technically a perishable because it's a fortified wine, so it can go bad. Uh, I can tell you from my experience, I have never noticed one perish. So 
I wouldn't say necessarily follow the rules when they tell you, well, it has to be stored in the fridge and only up to a year. I think that's unnecessary. You'd push those boundaries? Yeah, I store mine on my bar cart and I've had one of them for two years now and it's almost gone. If you're really worried about it, buy the smaller bottles. Yeah, that's a but, that, that's that, that's a great choice. Any anything actually, buy a smaller bottle, try it. Right. If you're uncertain and you want to try like six different rums to stock at your bar, buy six nip bottles, and yeah. taste them. See what you like about them. Maybe make half size drinks with them so you can have you know try it as a shooter for half of the bottle and then try it in a mixed drink for the other half. Kind of see how it works in both cases. And touching on the Negroni. We're going to do an episode on these or on Italian uh, kind of cocktails meant to go with food. It's a super bitter drink. Uh, did he put orange in it? Was there an orange slice? Yes. Okay. That's most often the biggest mistake made is that's forgotten because it's made with dry gin, Campari, which makes dry gin look sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and then sweet vermouth because if you put anything more dry in there – the Sahara Desert would be jealous. <laughs> right. No, you're that's valid. <laughs> uh, you know, I think bitters are a great choice for a bar too, and I can't I don't think you can get away without them. So it's it's bitters and simple syrup, I think, are two huge things that we definitely need to have in our bar. Right, I agree. Bitters are something that you know you could forget to put in a drink, and the drink will taste fine, but it's gonna taste kind of off and you're not going to know maybe it's way too sweet because those bitters are used to kind of taper down the sweetness if it's getting too strong and it adds depth kind of a background flavor a little bit of bitterness goes a long ways you're not going to ever pour a full shot one bottle of bitters is going to last you quite a long time and it's one two maybe three dashes of it and that's it now, there's a lot of different kinds of bitters. We won't get into that. I personally, I stock my bar with a Angostura, or Angostura uh, orange bitters because I like the oranginess to it. I think it goes really well in a gin and tonic if I want to throw a little bit in or you know, just in with a little bit of whiskey. I think those things pair really well with orange. But if I'm making a drink with a scotch, I'm not going to use my bitters in it because I know that smoky orange bitters just doesn't, at least with the bitters I have, it doesn't quite work. It, it leaves something there that it's a little off putting in some cases. And then your last option here is lemon and lime. And I think that these are great choices to have, but as they are perishable and they will go bad in the fridge, I think you have to keep an eye on when you're making what, and maybe have one on hand. Um, it's only 30 cents or so. So you could let them go bad, but you know, go to the grocery store if you need them and buy them and then use them. But Or if you just really aren't sure, buy a bottle of lemon juice and buy a bottle of lime juice. Uh, it's go. not going to taste as good. It's going to be a little bit more bitter and it, it's not going to be as good. But you know what? It's going to be a whole lot better than not having it in the first place when you need it. And uh, we move to our secondary sesh section and... Uh, you need pop and you know, you put, we'll fight about this, but I fully agree. 
And I know that you live with a fiance who is from the <laughs> East Coast. So that's why I assume that you get so passionate about this. Because the correct answer is it's pop. Period. Right. I mean, I'll make the exception. Soda's acceptable. It's not. But if I go to a restaurant and I ask what kind of Coke you have and you tell me six kinds of Pepsi, that's not Coke. (laughs) If I go to a restaurant and I ask what kind of Pepsi you have, er, the exact opposite, you – no. No. It's not a brand name. It's not, oh, my favorite kind of Pepsi is root beer. No. (laughs) Root beer is not Pepsi. Sure, PepsiCo makes a root beer. It's not the best root beer. That's that's neither here nor there. I'm a big root beer fan. Um, but so pop, soda pop, soda, sure, those are acceptable. But I'm, I, I like to call it pop in regards to the bar because if I yell out, I need soda, I want someone to know I need soda water. Which is your second option. And right. I, I mean – I think that you can get away with only having soda water or tonic water. Um, they are different. Know that they are different. But I think that you can get away with just having one. And I would pick soda water because tonic obviously has a tonic flavor to it, where soda water does not. Right. Tonic's becoming a lot less popular these days mm-hmm. uh, because it is higher in calories than soda water because that quinine acid is a little bit sweeter as well. Um, but honestly, I think it serves a role that can't really be replicated using soda water and some citrus to try and replicate that acid. You, you need the mouth feel of the soda water. Or the, I, uh, sorry, tonic water. Tonic water. I, I agree. I just, uh, yeah. I, I, if you need, if you, if you like that tonic flavor, definitely stock it. But if you're a new person at a bar and you're putting your thing together, know that you don't need to have both of them. If you're willing to give up that citrus kind of taste. Right. If you're looking through this list and you say, you know what? I don't want to stock gin at my bar. Cool. Don't buy tonic water. Yeah. There's, there's not a whole lot of you. Well, okay. There are uses for tonic water outside of gin drinks. The most common you're going to see is a gin and tonic. And I can't say there's a good reason to stock a gin at your bar and not have tonic, not have access to the gin and tonic. The thing that, that popularizes gin probably more than anything else. Uh, gin and soda. I've tried it. It's not that good. It's it, it's not as good. No, no. It it's honestly kind of depressing <laughs> because the whole time you're drinking, it going, you know what would make this really good? Tonic water. Or yeah, tonic. A little bit tonic of tonic would make this a a good drink. You know what this isn't? A drink with tonic in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have juices. I think cranberry juice is huge. You you added orange as well. I think cranberry juice lasts a little longer. I th- I believe um, has a little more shelf life as well. Uh, right. I just threw the the two juices that you're probably going to see the most are a cranberry or an orange juice. Um, you could go with you know your fruit juices. Those certainly serve roles. They're they're great in you know more of what I'd say like the party drink kind of setting. The gin and juice. The you know rum and fruit punch. It's gonna be delicious. Is it like a bar tendery drink? No. Is that bad? No, not at all. And then we move on to simple syrup. We already mentioned, and I'll just group in grenadine here as well uh, as you have it on there because I think they're both very important. And 
you know, grenadine's got its place and people don't always stock it because, well, I'm never going to use it, whatever. Um, I think grenadine can be added to a lot of things if you want to just a little bit more sweetness and a little little bit of that cherry flavor in there. Um, but you could also just add simple syrup as well. I'm, I'm going to have to stop you right there, Andrew. Do you know that grenadine isn't cherry flavored? It's not? No. Do you know where it gets its name? Does it have a flavor? Yes, it does. <laughs> Is it grenadine? <laughs> uh, yes. Do you know that it gets... It it has the same flavor as where we get the word from grenade. No, Grenada, pomegranate. Hmm. Uh, it's a it's a pomegranate simple syrup essentially. Uh, we would make this at our restaurant all the time because it was cheaper and it tasted a hell of a lot better. Yeah, making your own grenadine is not that hard. No, making your own grenadine and simple syrup. If you need to go out and buy it right away now. Sure. But take the 20 minutes online or else we'll post an episode later about how to do it. And then the 30 minutes to make it at home. And I could probably make a gallon of simple syrup for the cost (laughs) of a cup of simple syrup. Maybe like, and that's counting in my labor as well. (laughs) Oh, okay. Getting paid, let's say 16 bucks an hour to make it. It's so easy to make. It's so easy to make. You just have to buy the lock top bottle to start or just put it in an old liquor bottle. You have a smaller one or put it in a Mason jar and use a spoon. Yeah, that works too. (laughs) Honestly, simple syrup is one of the easiest things to make. Beware. It is perishable. It will go bad eventually. Like Like anything with a lot of sugar in it. Bacteria loves it. Bacteria will try and make it alcohol. Maybe that's what you want. Maybe that is what you want, but maybe you should try and do that under a controlled setting with yeast (laughs) and not natural microbials that could also cause, you know, eh, toxic things to to come about in there. They are prone to growing molds. That's entirely possible. I recommend refrigerating your simple syrups. You don't have to. I do. When Definitely. it comes to super sweet things, I would rather keep them cold and reduce the chance of bacteria than leave them out in room temperature and go, hey, you know what? This will be fine, probably. And that's all we have on the list. The last thing I want to bring up uh, to the show is we hit on the whole first part of the show is uh, bar set type things you should have. Um, you can go on Amazon right now and get a ton of different type of bar set stuff. You know, if you want to put some money into it, you can put 50 bucks in and get one that has its own uh, holder and it can sit right on top of your counter if you want to just clean everything. Um, I'm looking at a $100 set here that's 50% off right now, actually. And it's got those poor things for your bottles as well in there. But if you do not want to spend any a lot of money, uh, you can go down to um, just type in bar set on Amazon, scroll down a little bit and you get to they have they have their recommendations for the best bar set, the best overall one they say is a Barilla one comes with a muddler comes with a bar spoon comes with two pours comes with your jigger. It's got some books on happy hour type stuff you can make. And it has a shaker with it that has a bag that you can put it in. So, you know, there's a lot of cheap options you can pick out. That one is only twenty nine seventy nine. That is super cheap. Comes with its own bag to put it in. And if you, like I said, if you want to put a little bit more money into it, you can get one that has its own holder set. And you can get, there's another one here for $29, a 14 piece set. You know, 
you're not going to break the bank going out to get one of these little sets and you're really going to enjoy the benefits you get from them. Right. A good little set is a good thing to get. Um, I don't recommend spending the big bucks on an expensive one. I, I just can't justify it. I actually saw a, a portable martini bar the other day online, which I thought was really cool until I realized there's a portable martini bar that had no place to put your bottles but it was the size of like a, a stack of five, eight by 11 reams of paper. Not quite five, probably like four, eight by 11 reams of paper. But that's a pretty big thing to lug around for your portable martini bar. Yeah. I'm fairly certain if you're going to travel somewhere and you really need a martini bar, one, you can go find one or <laughs> two, bring your shaker, bring your necessary things that will fit inside your shaker. Yeah. And find a dollar store and buy two martini glasses. Yeah. That, it's going to cost you less. And you can get in many different flavors or flavors, colors, excuse me, chrome, black. They have a brown set here as well. There's a ton of different options you'll have. Um, but yeah, like we said, find, go back and find the things that you need. You talk about that muddler, the the shaker we said was a good idea. Um, you know, they come with a separate strainer, which I think is probably a better choice. Uh when you know Quinn brought up how his, his doesn't work very well, um, usually you'll get a little book with yours, and then you'll be able to go, oh, what drinks can I make? And then just have fun with it. That's what this is all about. It's about having fun, making drinks for you and your friends you have around. Um, and yeah, I think that's what the whole name of the game is. Right. You're never going to find out what you like if you don't experiment. And that being said, you know, let us know which ones you pick to stock at your bar. Do you even stock enough for a bar at home? I don't follow my rules and stock all of these. I, like I said last episode, I might have a vodka. I don't actually currently have any tequila. I only stock. Actually, I have no brandy either right now because I need to go buy brandy. But, you know, stock the things you think you need that you're going to enjoy and then have something for your guests. So that when you make yourself a drink, you can, you know, give them three possible options. And if they're just the pickiest person in the world, well, maybe they're not going to get a drink. <laughs> but, you know, odds are if you tell them, hey, do you want something with rum, vodka, or whiskey? They're going to say one of those. Yeah, then that's definitely something they should. Quinn, how did you like your uh, drink now that you finished it today? Uh, now that I finished it, I liked it quite a bit. I think it was a little bit better after it kind of warmed up some hmm. and, you know, maybe the oxygen getting exposed to it, helped it breathe a little bit, let out some of those flavors. But, I mean, I finished it. It was good. All right. How'd you like yours? I, I would not buy this again. We have no. four left in the cupboard. I think I, like I said, I would, if I mixed it with tea, I'd be fine, but why not just make vodka and tea at that point? Because that's basically what it would be. You know, just well, look, maybe that's an ingredient for a uh, Franken cocktail. Just a vodka and tea. That that's not a. You could add vodka to anything. I want everybody to know you could add vodka to any. Pick a drink, add vodka to it. It's alcoholic now. That's just because <laughs> can't taste it. So it just blend. As long as you don't put too much in, it'll just blend into the background, and you'll be happy because you'll be getting drunk. I mean that. I mean. That, that, that's the easiest way to look at vodka. I mean, 
Vodka is a very utilitarian liquor. Yeah. It, it knows its job and it does its job fairly well. It does. Quinn, I don't think I have anything left for this week's episode. Do you? No, I don't either. Thank you guys for listening uh, to the mustache, the drinking podcast, Andrew and Quinn here. We'll be back next time. And I don't know what we're talking about next time, but I'm sure it'll be very interesting. So make sure you stay tuned and remember always to drink responsibly.